You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I wanted to wear this shirt, Fun and Holy, because that is going to be the title of my message this, this afternoon, is Fun and Holy. Fun and Holy. And it's a shirt that, I'm going to be honest, when I first heard Pastor Leanne, she was so excited to um, unveil the Fun and Holy swag. And I was kind of thinking, like, I feel like it might be a little awkward for me to wear this. Like, I just didn't fully, and she was explaining it. She was so excited. And I'm so thankful for our leader and being so bold with showing us that we can be fun and holy because it actually um, kick-started this journey of me discovering and really going to the Word of God about what is what does it mean to be holy? It's kind of this awkward word that sometimes we want to kind of like make a weird cousin or something, but there's so much to what it means to be holy. And at C3 Church, we live fun and holy lives because we are free. We have our freedom from Christ and we get to live a life that the people outside of our church want to be a part of. And that's something really special and it's the gospel. So today I'm going to unpack what it means to be fun and holy. And I have to confess to you guys, I have not always been fun and holy. I know, it's very hard to believe. When I came to this church, I was kind of fun. Definitely, I thought I was holy, but... I, w- I didn't even really realize that I wasn't holy until I was going on a walk. We had just started connecting ourselves into the church, and I had been stalking Pastor Stacy. It sounds weird, but I kind of did. <laughs> I literally went up to her and I was like, can I know you? Like, can you be in my world? Like, I need to learn how to be awesome. <laughs> and so she was kind of like, okay, I'll pray for you after service. <laughs> um, but... Obviously, I'm not that weird, and so we form a friendship, <laughs> and finally, we, we go on this walk um, in Del Mar, and I was telling her, and if you guys heard her last message, she is so sweet and covering. She didn't say that it was me, but I was actually her story. Um, we were walking down the streets of Del Mar, and I was just telling her how I had spent summers in Africa being a missionary, and I was just so religious. And I was telling him, like, you know, I'm really religious. I know. I am am God's gift to this church. (laughs) Let's be honest. And she was kind of like, okay. And I was just going on and on about how I'd been on staff at churches, how I'd always been a Christian from the time I was in the fourth grade, and I was just tooting my own horn. And she stops, and she looks at me, and she goes, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but did you know that religion is bad? Like, it's not from God? And I was literally so embarrassed. I'm like, "Uh, what? I come from the Bible Belt. My husband and I moved here from Texas, and we love Texas. We love San Diego more. (laughs) Um, We moved here. We didn't know anyone, 
and my husband had gotten accepted into UCSD, and so we were just living on a prayer, literally, like we were broke, you guys, and we didn't know what we were doing, but we knew that we loved the city, and we loved the beach, and we loved the opportunity, and the hustle, and the beauty of San Diego, and we literally stumbled into the doors of C3, like there's people that move intentionally to our city to attend church here. That was not our story. We didn't even know it existed. We just stumbled in. I mean, God knew. God knew what was on the inside of us. But it was a journey when we got here because we had both come from this religious background. And I had always attached being holy to being religious. And so it was very confusing for me. When we got here, I had to go on a journey of first receiving freedom for myself from the spirit of religion and then journeying into what it actually meant to be holy. And then on top of that, realize that I could be fun and holy. And not like forced fun, like, <laughs> like authentic, you know, like real fun, like where you're not trying, it just happens. And we hear all the time, if you're a part of the high team, you know this is true. People will come in and they'll be like, are you for real? Like, are you really this nice? There's no way. But I'm going to come back next week and see. And so they come back next week, and they get into, you know, our Pathways courses. And it's a, a long-standing testimony. Even Mike and I have this testimony. We, the only reason we kept coming back was because people were so nice. And they were fun to be around. And they cooked really good food. And, you know, even though we had some hang-ups and... We were offended a lot, especially my husband. <laughs> he was always offended, you guys. <laughs> Literally, I was so embarrassed to sit next to him, especially at conferences, because he'd be like, nope, what are they doing up there? Why are they saying that? Grumble, grumble, grumble. And I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I am not with you right now. <laughs> Wives know, like, you have this subtle, like, elbow to the side, like, shh, just, we'll talk about this later. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. These are my new friends. I need to look cool. <laughs> um, so that was like the first three years of being at this church. I know you guys see us up here and we're free and we, we walk with authority, but there was a journey attached to that. And there was a cost attached to it that is surrender and living a surrendered life. And so I was this religious, prideful person, and I, I didn't even realize what it meant to receive because I was so busy projecting and striving and doing and there was so much attached to it that was not a flow from heaven not the kingdom of God and I'm so excited and I'm so honored to be able to share my testimony because I know that there are people in this room that you can connect to my story and you can connect to oh yeah I was raised in a religious place or maybe I I sought shelter in religion because it was something that was controlled and we feel safe when we feel like we can control things and a life with Jesus is not safe and so that's scary and there's that tension and that journey attached to it. But I'm here to say that living a life that is fun and holy is gonna serve you well. And by the end of this message, you're gonna be wanting to run to this altar and give me some of that holiness. I'm gonna live a life of freedom and joy because that is what God has to offer each one of you. Okay, so. The Hebrew word for holy is kidosh, kidosh, and it means to be cut or severed. And um, it's a really 
It's an intense word, I know. But it's a really beautiful picture of, of God. He is unlike anything. He doesn't touch anything. He is holy. He is, there's nobody like him. And when we get to know God and who he is, he actually invites us into that same life of being separated and cut off. And you see and you hear, we hear a lot, there's this, to be set apart is put on a pedestal in a lot of different contexts and a lot of different arenas. So you have the world that wants you to be set apart, right? Wants you to be cut off, unique, you do you, like live your own life, be who you are. We'll celebrate whatever you wanna be and whatever you wanna do with nothing attached to it. And then you have religion who says, be this way, obey this way, be controlled, be in control, and that is the way to live your life. And then you have God. You have God who says, be holy as I am holy, which is all about receiving him, being holy. So I want to um, kind of go look at a few scriptures of really helping us understand what is holiness and then what is holiest not and then who should we be, okay? <laughs> so the first thing, what is holiness? I want to read a scripture, 2 Timothy 1.9. It says this, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So holiness is all about receiving Jesus. It's not something that we can do or strive for or, um, you know, accomplish. It's something that we actually receive through Jesus. So there's actually a second part of the definition of holy. So you have holy being separated, cut off. The second aspect of holiness is actually to be entirely morally pure all the time in every way possible. I mean, look guys, that is, nobody can do that. <laughs> I tried, okay? <laughs> and even me, I did not attain complete morally pure everything. Like I have messed up. I'm sure we all have messed up in one way or another. And that's the beautiful thing is God is all consuming perfection and he is pure. And we can actually be holy through receiving Jesus. He cleanses us. He is the one that is pure within us. And that is how we live a holy life. It's just by receiving Jesus. There's a second scripture I wanted to share, Psalm 119.9, and it says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Frankie's like, preach. <laughs> guys, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> My city. <laughs> I'm just kidding. This applies to all of us, guys. Come on. By living according to your word. That's it. How do we stay on the path of purity? By living according to God's word, through a relationship with him. Do you know that this is called the living word of God? The holy Bible? Right there, it says that it's not about rules, even though there are guidelines to keep us living a life that is fun, that there's a flow from heaven. But it says that how we access the principles of God is through our relationship with Jesus. And that is how we can maneuver through the things that come at us in life. 
And it's how we can stand with confidence in the presence of God because we all have messed up and we aren't good without Jesus. But it says that after we are saved, we are righteous. We are royalty. You are royalty. You are worthy. And it's such a strange concept because everything in this world and how our society is governed, how our government is governed, is through principles that are actually completely opposite than the kingdom of God. So it's it's okay that we have to journey through some of this stuff because it's very opposite of kind of our knee jerk of what we've been fed and what we see in the physical, but in the spiritual, which is just as powerful, just as present as the physical, things are governed through the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Awesome. So again, 1 Peter 1.16 says it this way, be holy as I am holy. So you don't do holiness. You don't do holiness. You are holy. You are holy. I can remember um, when I was dating Mike, we fell in love really young. We're, we've been together for a while now, 12 years. <laughs> like, we met, I paused because we met on my 20th birthday. So actually, we met 12 years ago today. Um, so we've, we've grown up together in a lot of ways, but I was... I was really religious. He was not, okay? He was like not my type. He was like this. <laughs> I know, it sounds like I don't like my husband. I'm really obsessed with him. Um, but he's come a long way. <laughs> anyway, we're in church, guys, okay? Fun and holy. Anyway, so um, he was this rock star, like wrote country music, wore like rock and republic jeans, like just kind of a rebellious type. And I was like the goody-goody like missionary type, like I was telling you before. And, but we fell in love and I, I always appreciated his honesty. He was like, look, I'm not gonna tell you that I'm like the best Christian in the world. I'm like, finally, somebody that's honest. Okay, let's go out, let's have dinner. <laughs> um, but we started to date and then the religion started to seep out into our relationship. So I would be over at his apartment and be like, bye, I'll see you later. And then I would just like place the Bible on his desk, flip to live a holy life. Okay, hopefully he'll read that and then he'll change. Like literally I did that. That's embarrassing. Don't do that if you're dating somebody. It's not effective, okay? Not a good strategy. Um, But I thought that everything was based on performance. And so I was trying to get him to act holy through religion. And he was bucking at it. And I'm so thankful that he did because through our, I mean, God works in mysterious ways. And through him bucking at religion and me bucking at rebellion, we found the gospel. And I'm so thankful for that. And Jesus has transformed our marriage and he continues to transform our marriage, and it's just amazing to be a part of a living, breathing Bible and Holy Spirit, and and our community, like our church is fresh, real, and powerful. 
that means that this message may be may mean one thing to your neighbor that will mean something completely different to you. Because the Holy Spirit is taking everything that he can and depositing it into you to make you more free and more whole than you could ever imagine. Because you have an assignment and a purpose and a call in your life that nobody can do except for you. But it's through relationship. So we don't perform, we pursue Jesus. Okay, that's what it means to be holy and fun. So what is fun without holiness. That's the world. Literally, a world without Jesus is fun without holiness, and it just leads to frustration or brokenness. Um, I, I have the honor of being a part of our pastoral care team, and I get to minister and pray with people, and I see a lot of people come with hurts or habits or hang-ups or... Um, walking in dysfunction, and it's so beautiful to me because they, I see how they try. And whether they try through coping or covering up, like through addiction or through um, something that can numb them, whether it's through striving and performing and attaining so that they can display what they think they need to display, whatever gets them to that rock bottom moment, every time Jesus shows up, every time the Holy Spirit heals and does what only he can do, and he puts people back together again. And without him, everything goes wonky. And I can see how crafty the devil is because he puts out there the same, the same definition of holiness, to be separate, to be cut off. He puts it out there, and he tries to redefine and twist and pervert it, and, that, and we're seeing it play out in the world. So this is why we have the perversion of gender identity. This is why we see a twisting of truth no longer needs to be absolute. If it's true for you, then you do you. Oh, I don't, I, I literally was just having a conversation with a friend today um, who doesn't go to our church and she's watching her friend kind of go off and, and disconnect from the heart of God. She's toying around with the spiritual realm that's not the Holy Spirit. But she's like, but that's her life, and I don't feel like I can tell her. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Y your friend who claims to be a Christian is toying with the world, is, is pursuing fun without holiness. And we all know that leads to disaster, but you don't feel like you can say anything because it's true for her, and you want to respect her and, like, give her space. And let her, you know, be who she is and be free. And I, I mean, we're in San Diego. We have a, a lot of free, there's a lot of free spiritness outside of the walls of the church. And I have some beautiful friends, and I love them so much. And they're on their journey of figuring out that what they actually want is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they're trying to find that satisfaction through energy and through crystals and through all these things. And I'm not dogging on, you know, God has put beautiful tools into the earth that we have to help us connect with him. But when you disconnect God from that tool and you just take it for your own and you make it your own God, it's going to lead to brokenness. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to feel like you're doing everything right, but just take God out of the equation. 52%. This fact stunned me. Of all Christians believe that non-Christian faiths can lead to eternal life. 
Half of Christians now have bought into the lie that says, oh, as long as you know God, you can have eternal life. And whatever God means to you, then that's good enough. And they have thrown out truth. They've thrown out the word of God. They've thrown out consecration because they want to do things their way. And it's seeping into the church. And it's, it's very troubling to me because I see people want what we have, but they don't want to surrender. They don't want to let go of control. They don't want to change up their friend groups or offend their parents. And so they're happy living a life that is so below what God has given us the ability to live. It says that we are above and not below. We are the head and not the tail. We are victory. We are not the victim. We have access to a life of abundance here on earth. It says the kingdom of God is at hand. Doesn't say that we have to suffer and, and be under things until we get to heaven and you're just waiting it out until you die. No, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. And I can testify to this because I have seen it in my own husband and I's life. We have faced real hardship, but our joy is intact. And if you have joy, you have fun, even in the midst of some real crazy situations, okay? So I'm just saying, you don't want to stray from having holiness and just go after fun. So what does it look like if you're on the other pendulum and you have holiness but you don't have fun. That's what we're not, you guys, okay? We are not holiness without fun because what that actually is, and again, the devil is so crafty, it's religion, it's control. And who would want that that doesn't know Jesus? 72% of the unchurched believe that the church is filled with hypocrites. And seeing people come in, and this is why we're so passionate about being fresh, real, and powerful, because we are fine with come as you are, but we're not gonna let you stay there, okay? And I think the church, a lot of churches, not Big C Church, a lot of churches are so nervous to repel people that they just want people to come in. And then you have the other side of the extreme where, no, you can only be a part of your church if you do X, Y, and Z, both are not the gospel. Both are not living a life of holiness, which is just receiving Jesus and walking out a journey of living your best life now. The Pharisees don't survive in the kingdom of God, okay? Literally, look at um, the New Testament when Jesus had his ministry here on earth. The Pharisees were flipping out because they were the religious people that I learned all those years ago. Thank you, Stacey. We're not of God. <laughs> Whew, yeah, come a long way, guys. Um, and I want, to, I want to really take a moment to really shine a light on the lies that Christians and non-Christians alike think that holiness needs to be religious, okay? Because it's really doing a disservice to the people that don't know Jesus yet, and it's doing a disservice to the people that do know Jesus, and they're tired, and they're like, I know that I'm supposed to be living this life that's fun and, and has freedom and all these opportunities and the Holy Spirit's doing this. And it's like, you're hearing all these miracles about people all around you and you're like, where's my miracle, God? Where is it? And it might just be a little bit of tweaking 
and understanding what it means to be holy and what holiness is not. So the first thing that I'm shining a light on is holiness does not give anyone permission to cast judgment or bring justice. And I, I used to do this. I, I actually am very justice driven by nature. I love like good to win and the bad guys to lose. And I even was a social worker out of college. I worked with foster kids and I would go to the court hearings and I'd be like, yeah, put him in prison. Like go behind bars. <laughs> You're a bad guy and you hurt this kid. So I'm gonna advocate for him. And I'm not saying that's bad. It's, it's really good to fight for the people that need us to fight on their behalf and to be advocates. But in the kingdom of God, everything is backwards. And there's songs that we sing in worship where it's like, chains be broken, everyone's set free. Like my worship's gonna break off the chains of, of the person sitting next to me. And it sounds so nice until the person sitting next to you did you wrong and you want them to suffer. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I know, this is so embarrassing. The praise of my own worship can set other rightfully convicted people free. How unfair. How unfair. Yet this is the scandalous gospel of Jesus Christ. That it does not matter what you do. You are holiness. Be holy. You see this play out all through the kingdom of God, where at the altar you will have a religious person that is squeaky clean and perfect highlights with no roots showing next to a convicted criminal and that was just let out of prison. And both are equals in the kingdom of God because they're receiving the gospel. They're receiving a relationship with Jesus. So holiness cannot be justice. That is reserved for God and he is perfect and vengeance is his, and he calls us to love. They will know us by our love, not by our judgment. They will know us by our love. Our holiness is also not attached to knowledge, okay? I used to be so scared of people labeling me like holier than thou, like, oh, Kitty's holier than thou, than thou because I wanted to show that I was good enough because I had this ingrained in me that my identity was based off of what I did. It was based off of my works. And it's the same trap that Eve fell into in the garden. When Satan came and he tempted her with the apple, he said in Genesis 3, 5, for her eyes to be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. To have control, to be in power, to be above God or like God on the same playing field. And I see this happen and I've, felt, I've fallen victim to this lie that the more I know, the better I'll be able to be promoted. And it's just sad because our performance doesn't equal promotion in the kingdom of God. It's all about our heart. And Eve, just as she fell victim to taking a bite of the apple because she wanted to know everything, I see it happen in our church where people are just gorging themselves on apples, filling themselves up to their like stomachs are hurting with infinite knowledge of who God is. And look, this is the thing, it's true, but it's out of order, it's out of alignment. It's dangerous when you put knowledge above holiness. 
And when we can readjust and come into alignment and come into order with how the kingdom of God works, which is all relationally, it's all about relationship, it's all about being surrendered, then you can experience the fullness of God that has knowledge attached to it that will do you good. But if that is above, then it's going to lead to not good place. And I don't want that for you. Our holiness should also not produce pride. I always thought that being holy was something that you almost like gloated about or like, oh, the holy people are like the people that know everything or like they're super prideful. But just as I said, performance doesn't equal a promotion into holiness. You can't perform your way into holiness, people. You have to receive Jesus. That's it. And I, pride is so hard because it feels good to have people look at you and think that you're awesome. And it feels good to have that affirmation. And it also feels good to feel like you're in control and pride is always connected to control. Because if you're prideful, then you don't need help. And if you're prideful, you don't need correction. And it creates like this stiff arm to being discipled And it creates a stiff arm for you to actually experience vulnerability and intimacy with God and with each other. And so holiness is so, it's such an intimate thing, yet the devil will attach pride to it, which is the very repellent of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You hear it all the time, pride comes before the fall. It's true. (laughs) It's true. All right, so we know what fun is without holiness, and we've gone into what holiness is without fun. So the good part, what does it mean to be fun and holy, right? It's who we are. It's the kingdom of God. It's us calling ourselves daughters and sons of the Most High. It's us having an encounter with the Holy Spirit and being filled with his power, love, and a soundness of mind. It looks like being freed from anxiety and depression. It looks like having real friendship, real community. We are called brothers and sisters to each other. What is, think about that. We're family. We were bought with the blood of Jesus, and now that blood flows through us spiritually, connecting each one of us to each other as a family of God. Elizabeth Elliot, she is a, she was a missionary, she and her husband, and she had a great way of connecting these two thoughts together. She said, holiness has never been the driving force of the majority. It is, however, mandatory for anyone who wants to enter into the kingdom. Holiness is a way that we can fully experience the kingdom of God and all that create. God created us to be and do through a relationship with him. In Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. When we align ourselves and actually surrender, and look, guys, the first few times, it's hard to surrender because you don't know what's about to happen. You don't know, I mean, if you're like Mike and I, we would sit in the back row because we didn't want to, like, fall down. You know, if you've been here for ministry time and you see people falling over, 
When we first came to this church, we thought that would be the most embarrassing thing that could ever happen to us. And so we would hide in the back, especially Mike. <laughs> oh man, I love you. It's, um, I, always, I always craved the Holy Spirit, even in, in the throes of religion. And when God reframed what it meant to be altered and what it meant to be consecrated, what it meant to actually surrender my life, like when you hear like live a life surrendered, before I would think I'm giving up. But just as the scripture says, when you seek first his kingdom, all these things will be given to you. And in that moment, when you actually surrender your dreams, your marriage, your kids, your business, surrender your anxiety, Surrender the things that people have identified you with. Maybe some of these things are really good things. Maybe some of these things aren't serving you well at all. It doesn't matter. Anything that's not surrendered to God, he can't do anything with. And he wants to do more than what we could ever do on our own. But it takes us receiving him into our hearts, softening our hearts, bringing down the walls of our hearts so that we can be holy as God is holy. Because all that is, is, is just letting ourselves be filled with Him. And when we're filled with Him, something begins to happen. You begin to view things differently. You're not triggered like you were before. You, it's subtle at first, but then you look back on a year, two years, three years, and you can't even recognize the person that you were when you walked in. And I don't want you to miss those little subtle moments that God has waiting for you. Because those subtle moments lead to the biggest breakthrough. Because it's God just chipping away those lies and the shame and the fear and the insecurity and, and your inability to just enjoy dinner with friends. I remember um, talking with this young lady and she came up and she was just like, every time that I leave my house, all I'm thinking about is what other people think about me. And it was like torment in her mind. And it was literally creating this wall where she couldn't feel or connect. And the byproduct of that was that nobody felt close to her. Because she was so consumed with the very thing that she wanted. And it was preventing her from actually receiving everything that she wanted. And I see it over and over and over. And I was asking God, God, how do I, how can I help these people experience all that you have for them? And I heard him instantly say, holiness. Receiving everything that God has for you to where you don't have to try so hard, you just are. And you attract everything in life that God has put in, on the inside of you and it finally is able to be let out. In Psalm 139, 23 and 24, it says this, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think that the most courageous thing that you can ever do is to genuinely pray this prayer. I think the bravest thing that you could ever do 
is to come and say, God, undo me. Let me see my heart for how it actually is. But don't leave me there. Heal me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. That is what it means to live a fun and holy life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 